Hey, Leon. Hello, Tony. Tony, What's... you, yeah. you, you know how you said you, you would keep all the money that I make for sure. the jobs I do. Of course, I keep it right here, right, right here. It's invisible, by the way. If you will look in here, you're not gonna. See, it's gonna look like you don't see anything. But I have a witch that puts a magic spell on all your money to make it invisible to keep it super safe. I, I, want to take my money, Tony. I need my money. I need you to please, please give me the money that I have with you, please. Oh, but I did yesterday. You don't remember? You gave me my money yesterday. That's right, and then uh, an elf uh, came into the store and hit you over the head and said, Haha, you won't remember anything. So you gave me my money, and then the elf hit me in the head, and now the elf has my money? No, the elf didn't take your money. Your money's lying all around because it's invisible. Here, here, take this bag and collect, you know, find it. Just oh. sweep around until you see it. Okay. That's good, you idiot. Oh, by the way, I have another job for you. Bring me everyone. You mean everyone. Everyone! Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, I guess. I don't know. Is it? I think it is. <laughs> I people think it liked is, yeah. it. I mean, people I liked it, it. It started the careers. Well, started the career of one person. Yes, kind of ended the career of another person. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. <clears throat> well, that's it. I'm dying. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> I should have drank nothing but milk. Because apparently you can live on that. Apparently you can live. You know who else says that? Who? Dr. Sam Beckett's father on Quantum Leap. Remember the I don't want you Sam to ever quote Quantum Leap again on this show. <laughs> don't you, you remember the episode where Sam leaps into himself as a young man? And his no. dad is living on there. They live on the dairy farm. And his dad is like, did you know that a grown man can thrive on nothing but whole milk? Not survive, thrive. And no. I'm thinking, I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's true, true at dad. all. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So what? Hey, what movie are we going to be reviewing this type of road? Oh, you excuse me. Apparently, every single thing that I could do into a microphone is going to happen. Wait for the burps and the farts next, guys. You're what allergic. a wet movie. You're allergic to great action films with deeply uncomfortable sexual undertones. Um, <laughs> extraordinarily uncomfortable. Oh, boy. Uh, we are watching the classic action film Leon the Professional. Mm, Leon the Professional. Oh, yeah. That was made by what's his name, wasn't it? Luke Besson. Luke Besson, that's right. And uh, it was made for American audiences by all of his French friends. It was French, technically. <laughs> I think this is a French movie. I think it would almost qualify as a French movie. Well, because like, I know a lot of it, um, some of it was filmed in New York, but a lot of it was filmed in Paris, doubling for New York. So if that if the apartments don't quite look like American apartments, guess why? <laughs> yes. I said, yes. <clears throat> okay, cool. Hey, Steve. Yes, hey, yes Steve. my friend. Do you have any trivia for Leon the Professional? Wouldn't you know it, I do have some trivia for Leon the Professional. Okay, good. 
So here's here here's a cute one just to start with. Oh, it better be cute. It better be so fucking adorable. I just okay. want to so, squeeze it to death with a hug. Well, because because the, because there's not a whole lot of those with this movie. But. No. <laughs> um. So the first bit is during filming, it just so happened that nearby, when they were filming on location in the in New York City, I think, when they were filming on a, a city block in New York, uh, mm -hmm. it just so happened that around the corner or nearby, someone robbed a store while they <gasps> were filming the movie. In New York? And in New York. Can you believe it? I can't. And, and as he was running away, he just so happened to run onto the set of Leon, the professional. Mm -hmm. where they were filming one of the scenes with cop cars on the street and the robber thought that he had been caught by the real police and he surrendered to some of the extras who were dressed as cops. That's ridiculous. Now, here's the thing about that story. It's not true at all. I don't know for a fact, but it just, just like one of the trivia items we talked about in another recent episode where I said it sounds like it might be actor bullshit, yeah like when danny devito saying that he actually was hearing voices and stuff for cookies yeah. nest mm -hmm. this this i don't know but my spidey sense tingles a little i wonder if this is the kind of story that people tell because it sounds like a good story mm -hmm. you know like yeah. oh yeah we were filming one of the one of the scenes with cops on the streets and a guy robbed us robbed a store around the corner and ran into one of our extras and surrendered to the extras it's like Maybe that there's no reason to believe it didn't happen. It's not impossible, but it feels like one of those stories where it's like, did that really happen though? No, yeah. but you know, that, a, that an armed man who just robbed a store. It, it's possible that it was just a little kid stole a candy bar, ran around the corner, saw a bunch of cops, true. weepingly gave the candy bar to the cop and begged them not to tell his parents. And then Luke Besson personally called the boy's parents. <laughs> You must learn to abide okay. by the law. Do you boy. have anything that could be true? I do. I do. Okay. So, so okay. Gary Oldman improvised frequently in his performance. Yeah, because he didn't give uh, a shit. Because he just, and that's the that's the key to the performance. Now remember, <laughs> the this act. isn't the last time he works with Luke Besson. Oh no, no, he did uh, Fifth Element. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Gary Oldman improvised frequently in his performance. Uh, they shot several takes of his scene where he's talking to Matilda's father about Beethoven. And every time it was different because Gary Oldman would say different stuff. Um, and also he has one of the most iconic lines in the movie when uh, he turns to one of his subordinates and he says to bring him everyone. Mm -hmm. And that was also improvised. Uh with the intention to just crack up the director like mm. Gary Oldman wasn't trying to he's like this will be great they'll put this in the movie he was just doing that to crack up the director and Luke Besson liked it so much that he put it in the movie so there you go <sighs> um next piece of trivia Natalie Portman has said she felt sexualized by the way her character is portrayed in the film what? You are you kidding wait what you think now Actually, I bet you did. Back well, then, yeah. shouldn't her parents have said what? What? Where were you her wanna... parents? Wait, what? Where, where were her parents? You know, actually, there's another piece of trivia uh, that I I didn't include in my list, or that I saw when I was when I was looking for stuff. Apparently, Natalie Portman's parents were concerned about the scenes where she was smoking. And I thought, is that all they were concerned about? Really? Did was they that, read was the script? Was, was that their only problem? 
the movie that I don't like her smoking. Oh, okay, that's your problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're concerned. About. Okay, um, uh, the uh, yeah. yeah, I mean the, the only um, thing that the only saving grace in this movie is that Leon is not in love with her romantically. I'm 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 getting to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, because here's the thing. Uh, it appears from my admittedly somewhat shallow research. It appears that the the sexualization of Matilda and her attraction to Leon was a problem for everyone involved with the movie, other than I wouldn't Luke imagine. Bisson. Yeah, Luke Besson <laughs> was perfectly fine. Luke Besson was like, "No, it's fine." Everybody else involved in the movie seems to have expressed concerns or forced them to change things at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, for instance, the casting director originally passed on Natalie Portman because he thought she yeah. was too young. Yeah. Uh, Jean Renault has said that the only way he could play Leon was to play him as painfully innocent mm-hmm. and and a little slow yeah. so that it would seem like the idea of doing anything with this child would never even occur to him. Yeah. Um, that's the only way he felt he could get away with it. That shows thank, in his that yeah. shows in his performance. Yeah. It does. It does. And thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank God there was an ad that this actor was like, okay, uh-huh. um, I'm gonna need to make some adjustments with you my mean, performance. Thank God they here. didn't get a more pervy French actor yeah. who would have been yeah, all who was in like, on oh, the Oh, it is it is so cutting edge. Yes, it will make the people so uncomfortable in the seats. They are so much in um, love with each other. And it's like, she's like 10 or 11. They will, they will defy the mores of society. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Let's face facts, <laughs> dude. She hasn't had good luck because she went from this movie right into George Lucas's hands. <laughs> no. Um, she made a Michael Mann movie in between. Oh, uh, did she? She was in Heat. She was Al Pacino's daughter in Heat. Yeah. Okay. That's she's great. good. But anyway, uh, there was an early cut of the film that includes a scene where Matilda asks Leon to become her lover. No. Which was cut after Thank an uncomfortable react after an uncomfortable reaction from a test audience. You okay. think. Um, <laughs> and the script originally had a scene where Leon and Matilda actually do have sex which is described in the script as beautiful and sweet. So I would like to say thank you to everyone other than Luke Besson who worked on this movie what and, stopped him, and stopped him from doing what he clearly wanted to do with this movie. He wrote um, this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going, uh, just spoiler alert, I'm going to give this movie a positive review. I like this movie a lot, but so there, do are, I. there are deeply uncomfortable things about this movie, and it's a little alarming to realize that it could it sounded, have been... From what I understand, it was a yeah. lot of people running in going, you can't do this. Yeah, stop, no, you can't do this. Yeah, and it's thank like God the, they did. It's the revelation about Indiana Jones and, and yeah, uh, Marion. I thought of that a lot. Raiders. I thought of that a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh no, they, you, she was like eight. And he yeah, was like, like in college. What, George? Or something what, like that. George? Wait, what? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that'll make people like, things. it's just going to, it's like shocking. You know, it's going to shock people. Yeah. You know, shock, them to the point, shock them you, to the point that they'll hate the main character of your I movie. I fell in love with at least 
five 12 year olds on the way here from my car none of them would get in. <laughs> none of them would, would get in the car though i offered like, them candy and they all said no i mean it it, it jean-luc uh, uh basson luke basson yeah luke basson has had some problems yes and yes he's been accused of uh sexual assault by multiple people mm -hmm. um all all grown-ups as far as i know but that doesn't did, make me feel better it, no it, it, me neither me neither and he also apparently he met his wife when she was like 15. I didn't hear that. I didn't and, know and, that. And, and he and he was like in his thirties. So yeah, there are some troubling. Mm. There are some troubling details in his biography. Um, but also <laughs> there's some troubling. Well, number one, yeah. hasn't he been married like fifteen times? I think he has been married a few times, but but at least one of them was someone that that he met when she was unsettlingly young. And, okay. Um, that but, wouldn't so, happen to have been Mila Jovovich because she, no, she, no. she married him at one point. She was pretty young too, but not as young. I think I think his the woman he was with before her is the one I'm talking about. But, okay. Um, but anyway, you know, it, it brings up an interesting uh thing that I thought about when I was looking up stuff about this movie. It reminded me there was a movie that came out I think the year before this or two years before this. Uh, that was controversial at the time called the lover that mm. I don't know if you've ever seen her, but it's no. about, it's about a, uh, a 30 something man who begins an affair with like a 15 year old girl. And that was, you know, seen as a kind of, it, there were, there were some people that really liked it. There were some critics that thought it was really good that, but it was controversial obviously because of the subject matter. And it was Here's another the, French film, wasn't it? I, it, I think so. I think I've heard about it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. But here's the important thing. Here's an important thing about that movie. And it's completely, mm -hmm. I it's completely legitimate to object to the subject matter. It, there, I think there's an, there's a reasonable case to be made to say, look, we, it, it's irresponsible to make movies about that kind of thing, period, because we know mm -hmm. that there are certain people in our society that will, you know, be a little too sympathetic to that. Um, but that movie, the, the actress who plays, the young girl in that movie uh, was mm -hmm. Jane March. Jane mm -hmm. March was eight. Jane March was eighteen when they made that movie. She was eighteen, playing fifteen, mm -hmm. and um, she um, and she does look very young. Like she doesn't look eighteen, but she was eighteen when she made the movie. Mm -hmm. So, so that was a situation of an adult playing a young character mm -hmm. in 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 a in a film where it's about an older man having an affair with an inappropriately young woman. Um, Natalie Portman was legitimately 12 years old. She was a little made, kid when they made this movie. She was yeah. not 18 playing 14. She was 12ve years old. Mm -hmm. So you know, there are, yeah, again, and as her much parents as I, approved her to be in this her, movie. Her parents were apparently uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm wondering if like, the sex scene was in the in the script when they read it. That's a good question. And maybe they were part of the maybe they were one of the parties that objected and said you can't do that. I would hope. I would hope. I would hope. I me too. I'm me too. I mean that someone would say, No, no. We can't do that. No one's gonna make this movie so long as this is in here. No, well that's the but... thing. I mean, I nobody nobody would have made this movie. At least nobody nobody in the 
legitimate film industry would have made this movie. Uh, with oh, the if the sex scene it. was still in there? With the sex scene in it. Um, sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think there would be a lot of people saying, well, unfortunately, we can't make if 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 he put his foot down and, you know, he'd say, no, I want the sex scene in here and American. They would. There's no way we could sell it. It wouldn't be. Oh, no, that's wrong. It would be. There's no way we can. Oh, yeah, it would be. We can't market that. Yeah. Believe me, we're all about having sex with little children. But we just we well, know we, if we released a movie only like if that, it'll sell tickets. Right? If it's going to hurt ticket sales, we can't do it because we're all monsters in this room, right? We're all monsters. Well, and that's but the at thing. least remember, we know that we can't sell it. But remember, I mean, it that the, the 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 trivia bit I mentioned a little earlier, like this, the there was at some point there was a cut of the movie that they showed to audiences that had a scene where Matilda asks Leon to have sex with her, mm-hmm. like. And they took that out because of a test audience reaction. They, mm-hmm. That was in the movie. <laughs> like, that was in the movie until they showed it to people and people were like, what the fuck was that? That and can't Liam, be in the movie. of course, says no, right? He says, no, no, I'm not going to. Right, yes, yeah. No. He, he, he re- I'm, I would imagine, because that's how he reacts to it throughout the movie that we actually have. He, he sort of, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, no, <laughs> please. I hope so. Please. Yeah. I hope so, because this one comes really close. I mean, in this one, it's a girl that's obsessed with an older man, right? Yes. Yes. We don't need any more movies like that ever. No, we don't. Yeah, we really don't. No. Okay. Um, But as it is right now, they as it is in the movie right now, Matilda is obsessed with Leon for a number of different reasons. Leon is not interested her in the same way. Right. Um. You know, he did by the end of the movie, he does care about her. Yes. But, oh, yes. But you know. he, yeah, I think the movie gives us enough of Leon to reassure us that his interest in her is not at all like her interest in him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which is super important if they yeah. want us to, you know, like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's my trivia. Yay. I feel <laughs> icky. Like I need to wash. <laughs> Are you ready for who made it? Yeah. Okay, it was directed by Luc Besson, and you know, he made movies like La Femme Nikita and The Fifth Element, and then he was accused mm-hmm. of sexual harassment by a bunch of women, and all of that was dismissed, and another woman accused him of rape, and that was dismissed. And uh he really hasn't made much lately, has he? Nope. Good. No. He also wrote this, and thanks to Steve, I found out that the script was far more ickier than I thought it would was originally but great it was produced by patrice ledeau and she's produced a lot of his movies and it's all french so gives a shit starring jean jean (laughs) renault and he's a he's a french actor and the only other movie that i remember him being he he's appears as a lot of character roles in movies yeah um he was in godzilla for god's sake he was, yeah. And he was in the Da Vinci Godzilla. Code, and he was he was in one of the Mission yeah, Impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not not leading man no. like in this. So no. Um, Natalie Portman as Matilda Lando, and you know her from Thor and Black Swan and Star Wars, and what is the great? What's the science fiction movie that I love so much? The the one that has the glimmer, the, the Oblivion. Obli- no, is that a, that's not Oblivion? Is it Oblivion? No, no. Annihilation. Annihilation, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and she's all growing up now, and she's in her 40s. 
Jesus fucking Christ. I, I think I think she's my age. I think she's almost exactly my age. She is, yeah, she's around your age. So when this movie came out, you were what, twelve? She's a year younger than me. I just looked it up. She's a year younger than me. Okay, so you're yeah. you know. Now imagine you being sexualized in a movie. I don't have to. Okay, great. It was then, also then my, you need, my it, was, yeah. it was also my big picture, my, my big screen debut. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is Norman Stansfield. I don't need to tell you what else he's been in. Do I know? Great. Danny Aiello is Tony. Again, do I need to tell you? You know, do the right thing. He was in that. Go nuts with what that. Else, My, what else do you need? Michael Badalucco is Matilda's father, and he was in No Brother Where Art Thou and something. I don't know. He's, he's been one of those movie. guys that you would instantly recognize him, even if you don't know his name, because he's yeah. been in tons of stuff. But like, yeah, like he was in Jungle Fever. Ellen Green is Matilda's stepmother, and she was in Little Shop and Pushing Daisies and stuff. And Peter Appel is Malky, and he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Apparently, I uh, I don't care. Adam Bush is <laughs> Manolo. Nothing. Joseph Malerba as Stairway SWAT guy. Nothing. My Wen as the blonde babe, and that was Luke Besson's wife, I think, at the time. Mm. I um, think I think she's the 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 one that he met when she was a teenager. Great. So that makes me that feel great that carry she's that in this movie. I agree. George Martin as the hotel receptionist, and he's been in stuff. John Hugh Anglade, I guess, as cameo. I don't. I French. Fucking bullshit. Keith Glasgow was Benny. More more French stuff. Willie One Blood, that's his name. And he was a reggae artist. And he was as first Stansfield man. I don't think they ever say his name in the movie. He's the guy with the dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by uh Terry Argobast, French films. Who gives a shit? French movies. <laughs> Edited by <laughs> Edited by Sylvie Landra. I mean, I could say them, but no one knows them. Not really. I mean, unless we have some French fans that are just been, oh boy. Um, music by Eric Serra, French films, production companies, Guaman is a French company, Le Film du Dauphin. Dauphin? Dauphin. I'm not quite Dauphin. sure. French movies distributed by Guaman Buena Vista. I guess that's a French Disney collab. <laughs> Distributed by Euro Disney Films. Release date, September 14th, 1994 in France. Running time, 110 minutes. Budget, $16 million. Box office, $46.1 million. So it didn't make a huge amount of money. I would call this kind of a cult film at this point. Uh, yeah, I would say. I mean, I think more people know La Femme Nikita. Because it right. became a TV show and a whole bunch of other stuff. And, right, and that was his breakthrough. That was Besson's breakthrough. Well, as basically, a I mean, Jean Renault played a character in La Femme Nikita. Um, Very and he similar. he kind of took that character to and, yeah, except Leon's more human. Yeah. Right? All right, Steve, let's drink ourselves a glass of milk because apparently you can survive on that. That's what I'm told by this movie and Quantum Leap. Yeah. Yeah. There's no breast milk metaphor involved. I Not don't know why he does it. Let's obsess about a house plant. <laughs> let's let's murder people for, and not receive money and be okay with it. 
I don't sure. I don't understand that. Well, it's me and you run into New York City, where apparently you can shoot off as many bullets as you want inside of an apartment building, and cops don't show up for hours to days. <laughs> apparently. And run into the world of Leon, the professional. Yeah. Steve? Yeah. Take it away. Ooh, boy. Well, first we get uh, some aerial shots. The camera kind of swooping in over the city. Mm -hmm. It's New York City. And uh, the camera moves down closer to the street. And the camera pushes right through a door of uh, the Supreme Macaroni Company. <laughs> hey, Macaroni. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. And we get into the store and it's Leon shot all in close up. He's like, he has a little hat on and a pair of mm -hmm. round dark glasses. Uh, he's drinking a glass of milk and we only see him in extreme close up. And he's talking to Tony, who we also only see in extreme close up. Mm -hmm. And for and some Tony, reason, why I don't know why we're all in extreme close up. Dramatic. Is it? It's dramatic. Okay. And Tony is uh, telling Leon that uh, he has a job for him. And Leon's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And there's apparently there's somebody in there's somebody in town who's muscling in on somebody's territory. And Leon has to go and tell him to not do that so much. And Leon's like, I understand, boss. And then mm -hmm. we cut to a hotel where this guy is staying, and he has like a fucking small army of bodyguards, and they're all yeah, and he's sleeping and with a prostitute. He sleeps with a prostitute. He's like, oh, don't bother me for an hour. Luke Besson's girlfriend at the time. and Yeah, and Luke Besson's yeah. like, yo, if only she were 20 years younger. And then Leon shows up and starts shooting everybody. Leon shoots. Well, first of all, apparently Leon is Batman. Yeah, he is. Because he's like the silent, invisible killer. He, he murders everybody one at a time, and nobody sees him coming. And some of them mm -hmm. he shoots, and some of them he stabs, and some of them he strangles. Um, but apparently he's really super good at his job. Mm -hmm. And... He kills all he kills everybody except for the main guy, the boss guy, and then he sneaks up on him from the shadows from behind and he puts a knife to his throat. And the guy is just about to call the cops, and then Leon is like, you know, got the knife to his throat. And so the guy's on the phone with the cops, and of course the 911 operator connects him directly to a police detective, you know, which is what happens when you call 911. Sure. And uh, and then the guy's like, Oh, sorry, never mind, and he hangs up, and then Leon makes him call Tony. So he calls Tony and Tony's like, fuck you, you motherfucker. Don't you ever fucking encroach on our territory again or I'll fucking mm -hmm. kill more people. I'll kill more and more and more people till you stop doing that thing you're doing. And now hand the phone don't, to Leon. Don't deal heroin in my territory. That's yes. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Leon, make sure he understands. Mm -hmm. So Leon's like, OK. And Leon hangs up and then Leon says to the guy, do you understand? And the guy says, yes. And Leon's like, all right, cool. And Leon leaves. Yeah. That's it. And they lived, and they lived happily. Ever and they after. lived happily ever after. No. Then we get Leon comes back to the, his apartment complex. Right. Well, he, he get he, he gets, he, he gets a couple of pints of milk. That's right. He, that he puts into his brief, into his murder into briefcase. Case. Yeah, his murder right. briefcase. And then he, yeah, and then he goes to his apartment mm -hmm. and takes off his stuff. He has like a vest on where mm -hmm. he keeps all of his guns and knives and bombs and stuff. He takes that off, um, has a glass uh, no, of milk. He, he runs into Matilda when he comes into oh, the house, that's the, right. the yeah, apartment but, complex. And she's not shot like the cinematographer and the director are sexualizing her at all. 
not even a little uh actually totally but that's okay totally like that but he yeah, gets home he meets smoking her a cigarette yeah, yeah. Mm. and when she when she sees leon coming she hides the cigarette and leon walks past her and then he stops and looks back at her and he says why did you hide the cigarette mm. and she's like i don't know i guess and he's like whatever and he walks back <laughs> into his he walks back into his apartment and doesn't say anything to her and, mm -hmm. and, and then does his you know taken off of his equipment and you yeah. see him he waters his plant that he has you know of, he is very loving lovingly takes care of yes um has a glass of milk mm -hmm. meanwhile we see him yeah. matilda's oh, yeah. dad is having a conversation which what we assume are organized crime figures and yes. they're accusing him of having cut the drugs to make money on the side yes. and he says don't make don't make me you're gonna have to talk to my boss and his boss is gary oldman and he loves his music yeah. and then i guess gary oldman improvises his way through a scene because he didn't bother to learn any lines or whatever i don't know but he's <laughs> yeah, this like is the okay. first time yeah, yeah. he says Look, i can i can sniff when people are telling yeah. the truth to me and he sniffs him and what does and he, he say? says he says oh of course he didn't do it Mm -hmm. And then he says to Matilda's father, he says, look, I'm, I believe you when you say you didn't steal our drugs, but because we gave them to you to keep, it's your mm -hmm. job to find out who did steal the drugs. And we're going to come back tomorrow at noon and you better know who, who mm -hmm. stole from us. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. And so, her, her, her father, who's a fucking moron, didn't immediately yes. skip town i know he's still there the next day why didn't he leave like immediately mm -hmm. because he because uh spoiler alert he did that shit. yeah he, he did. stole from these people it's he uh, he's did. obviously guilty then we see leon do yeah. all of that shit that you mentioned before yeah. take a shower take care of his iron his clothes and then fall asleep yes. sitting up with a gun in his hand sounds yes. like a great lifestyle and then we the next morning we get to see what life is like for matilda's family and that is her dad and her stepmom fucking in the bathroom while she tries to watch the transformers which upsets her stepsister or her sister i'm not her quite sure her stepsister because her stepsister is mm -hmm. doing aerobics in front of the tv and wants to watch her aerobic show mm-hmm and, and is, just wants to watch cartoons that's right and are we even old or shown that she has a little brother uh yeah in that scene do we do we see yeah, the little I brother think, yeah we see the little yeah okay yeah anyway so leon leaves to go do something i don't know what he he leaves to go get milk or do something and that's when the rest of the guys show up right the, the or bad no, guys no, or, does, or, or does matilda go to get milk for him does she because yeah, Leon does. is Leon is coming back in from having gone somewhere, and and Matilda says to him, "Hey, I was going to go to the grocery store. Do you want me to pick you up some milk?" Mm. And he's and like, "Yes, Leon please." Says, "Yeah, sure." You know, so Matilda <laughs> leaves, and then while she's gone, Gary Oldman and his people come back, and his crew come in, and they're like, "We're going to toss your entire apartment, dummy dipshit." You know, is backing up against uh, to a gun, right? Yeah, and then they kill everybody, and everyone dies. They kill everybody. They yeah. kill everybody, including the little kid, including the little brother. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, and then they're and then they're tearing the apartment apart, looking for the drugs that the mm -hmm. dipshit dad stole. So they're still yeah. there doing their thing when Matilda comes back with the milk, 
and she you know pretends that that's not her apartment because none of these people have seen her mm -hmm. and she just walks on by you know trying to keep a straight face knowing that her family is dead in that apartment um mm -hmm. and goes to the end of the hall and knocks on leon's door and basically pleads with him to let her in and he's been mm -hmm. watching the whole thing through the through his lock uh, mm -hmm. and standing there with his gun ready in case they try to fuck with him and eventually yep. he's like all right fine and he, he contemplates killing her yes a couple times <laughs> yes, yes but in does. that one he is aligning his gun up to shoot her through the door yeah he he lines it up through the door yeah um but he eventually lets her in mm -hmm. yep. and then watches until he seems like like one of the uh at some point they when they're tossing the apartment they noted they find a family picture with matilda mm -hmm. in it and they're like hey what about this kid the kid's missing and one of the people in the hallway that saw her pass by and go into leon's apartment like goes and knocks on leon's door uh -huh. some some you know tension, tension there, there. That, yeah until that guy gives up and goes away mm -hmm. um and then Leon's like, sorry about your murdered family mm -hmm. to Matilda. And she's like, whatever. She's like, I only really <laughs> like my little brother. I don't care about them killing my my dad or my mm -hmm. stepsister or my stepmom, but why'd they have to kill my little brother? He never did yeah. anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. so. But eventually he figures they gotta leave. Right? Yeah. You know, there's some horse shit about them getting to know each other and blah blah. Yeah, kitty schmackity, but he figures they gotta leave, so they go to a, a new hotel so that they can, you know, because it's too hot there, it's too hot. Well, what, right? well remember what happens is Matilda finds out that he's a hitman. Oh yeah. And yeah. and she immediately says, She kind of guesses hitman too. Yeah. She yeah, she says, I want to be a hitman too. And Leon says, mm -hmm. No. So mm -hmm. she takes one of Leon's guns and shoots it out the window. Yeah. And, that's and, when we, and, that, and, and then we cut to them walking mm -hmm. somewhere else and Leon stops. Or she in the killed a baby walk. and probably shot it. <laughs> yeah, baby probably. Who knows what else? They're walking. And they, there's the, what, the, the first time they do this joke where we see them walking on the street, having abandoned the apartment, and Leon stops halfway through the shot and turns to her and says, Matilda, don't ever do that again. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I won't. And then they, I you know, won't. But then they go to a, a new place, a hotel. They check in, and then he goes and he sees, uh, you know, Tony, Danny Tony. Aiello, the guy who gives him work and keeps all of his money. Yes. Right? So he says. And he's like, I need my money. And he's like, hey, I'm keeping it safe for you. You come here, and I'll give you what you need. Yeah, I'll give you whatever um, you want, but I'm going to keep it for you, like a yeah, bank. Yeah, like, like a bank. And he goes, fine. And then he teaches her how to assassinate people. And yes, I think in this case, it's the president of the United States yeah, uh, who's jogging in the park and it, who isn't at all like Bill Clinton. Not even a and, little. But they shoot him with a fake bullet, right? It's like a paint. It's like a paint bullet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a paint bullet. Just, just for practice mm -hmm. assassins. Mm -hmm. And they start living together and she starts drinking milk like he does, right? Yeah, and she kind of adopts his routine because one one of the other things he does is he does an insane amount of sit ups every day, mm -hmm. and and she starts doing those with him, and yeah, she starts dressing like him, right? Yeah, and they're like, I don't know. At some point, you know, he he goes back to Danny and he says, "Hey, I got this girl, and I need to take care of her," and blah blah blah, you know, and he still yeah. spins some more bullshit, right? 
And then he catches her talking to a boy, and he says, don't talk to boys, right? Yeah. Outside of the thing, and that's when she comes home and she says, I basically, I, I want to have with the sex with you. She says she has a funny feeling in her stomach. Yeah, she says what she she says she's in love with him, and he says, "How do you know if you've never been mm-hmm. in love before?" And she says, "Why well, I, right. I always had a knot in my stomach, and now the knot is gone." Mm-hmm. And he says to her, "I'm glad you don't have a stomach ache anymore, but I don't think it means anything." Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to sort of gently put her off of this. Yeah, you know. yeah. So then at the hotel. Uh, Leon goes to go do something. She comes downstairs and tells the hotel person that she and Leon are lovers, right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she like literally, that's what, that's literally what she says. Yeah. And then she goes back to her old apartment, sees the chalk outline of her little brother. And I can't remember. Does she say, oh, then they get, she finds, she finds money that her dad had hidden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they get kicked out of the hotel that they were at for some reason. CPS <laughs> is not called. I don't know why CPS was CP- never Apparently the hotel people are like, look, you go molest kids somewhere else. Just don't <laughs> do it here. Um, and so they move to another place. And that's when we find out that Leon was out on another job. And he has to sew himself up himself because he can't go to the hospital. Um, he comes and sees Tony again, who gives him the same line of bullshit, isn't it? It's the same bullshit. Uh, yeah. Well, or is this the one? One of these scenes, he tells he he makes Tony promise that if anything happens to him, that Matilda will get. His yeah, money. and I think that is the and, scene. And Tony because, says, but, "Don't worry, I'll take care of her." Yeah, because Matilda has shown up at the police station because it turns out all the bad guys are cops. <gasps> they're not gangsters. They're no, they're cops. They're cops. And so she pretends that she's delivering food and they catch on to her and they confront her in the bathroom. And, you know, Gary Oldman's like, Maha, what did I do? And he's like, you killed my little brother. Right. And he's like, I should, I should shoot you. But then Dreglock guy comes in and says, Hey, guess what? There's a weird French guy who killed one of our guys. And he said, no women, no kids. Right. Because that's Leon's policy. No women, no kids. That's his code. And and so Gary Oldman says, okay, well, keep the girl here. You watch her while I go somewhere, right? No, he's somewhere else yeah. in the in the building or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's somewhere else in the building, and Leon comes in. And, and Leon and, figures and, out and, what's going on because he leaves a yeah. note. She left a note. She, she leaves a note, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Leon shows up and kills a couple of Stanfield's guys and gets mm-hmm. Matilda out of there. Right. And then Stansfield so, goes to see Tony, and he's a little angry. Oh, sure. Because, you know, he knows, he thinks he knows that the guy who did it, he said, they said he was Italian, right? Yeah. And that, the, the, the part of the conceit of the movie is that Leon is Italian. Yes. He went, when he's clearly French. But we'll, yeah, we'll I know. Just go I don't, it. we don't. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Anyway, so. Um, he wants to know where he is. Matilda has gone off to go get groceries and then some SWAT guys steal her or what do we assume are SWAT guys? Yeah. They pull her in there because now they're going to break into the break into the apartment and they're going to kill Leon. Right. Yep. But they don't. Leon kills all of them. Almost all of them. A bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. Until eventually he comes out of the apartment, puts a head, puts a gun to one of the guy's head and said, let Matilda go. 
and he tells Matilda to go get an axe from the fire thing. Yeah. She grabs it. They go back into their apartment. He chops a hole in the wall, which opens up into a, I don't know what it is, like a crawl. Well, he, he, yeah, he ch- well, he chops. There's like a ventilation fan that he chops yeah, out of the wall. Because now they're shooting the at him with, with snipers, yeah. with laser scopes and all this other yeah. stuff. And he wraps up his house plant and he and he just chucks it in the hole and then he chucks her in the hole. And he's telling her she has to go and she doesn't want to leave. And he's like, no, I'm going to say out loud what we should have picked up already. And it's like, you made me want to live a life, right? Yeah, yeah. And don't worry, but I can't. I need to do something and you can't be here when I do it, which turns out to be nothing. And he... Because at that point, so so here's one of the problems I have with that. Okay, they're getting ready to shoot a bomb into his apartment, right? Yes. Gary Oldman tells the that's the everyone line. I want you to get everyone. Yeah, I want you to get me everyone. Yeah. And the guy says, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Everyone!" And so there are cops outside. There's SWAT. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. They're getting ready to shoot a grenade or a missile or something into the apartment, right? Yeah. And he's saying, but what I got to do, you can't be here. And so he, she's crying and he reassures her and she goes down into the hole. And then he whips around and yells. <laughs> yes. And then they shoot them. Because now you're thinking, oh, shit, he's going to sh- he's going to kill everybody. Right. That's yeah. That's what you're led to believe. But that's not you're what thinking. Happens. Leon's going to kill it, kill everybody. But what happens instead is they shoot the thing in there and then he puts on the SWAT guys stuff. Yes. And he starts sneaking out. Right. Right. And you're like, so this is the thing that she couldn't be there for. Okay. I, I yeah. guess. Because he know. couldn't be, I guess it would be more complicated if he was pretending to be a SWAT guy and escorting this girl out. I guess. So meanwhile, yeah. Matilda has gotten out. She's gotten out on the street. And it looks like Leon's about to get away. Right. He sees yeah, an, he gets an out empty of the door. Building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's walking through a tunnel toward the street. But uh oh, Stansfield has figured out, oh, that, that guy's not acting like everybody else. Yeah, which yeah. is weird because he's been so coked out of his goddamn mind this entire movie that it's hard to believe <laughs> that that the man is capable of doing anything. That's true. How can he see straight, much less tell that that's the guy he's looking for? But he mm-hmm. does. So, but he does. But then he walks up behind Leon as he's about as Leon is about to leave, and he shoots him. Yeah, but Leon's not dead, right? No, not yet. And he flips him over. And, you know, I don't quite sure why he does it, why he flips him over, but Leon presses something into his hand and he tells them this is from Matilda. And Stanfield opens his hand and he sees that it's a grenade pin. Uh-oh. And instead of doing what most people would do, which would be to throw <laughs> themselves away from the body as quickly as possible, he opens up his chest to see that he's got nothing but grenades, right? Yeah, and then continues to stand there. And then he says, oh, <laughs> shit, and he gets exploded. So he's dead. Everything blows up, yeah. So he's super dead, yeah. Matilda runs back to Tony and says, Tony, I need money. And Tony gives her the same line of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I'll Come here every month. Yeah. I'll so yeah, she, come here and I'll deal it out to you. Yeah. So she runs away. At the beginning of the movie, they were talking about sending her away to a girl's school for girls who have problems. Right? Yes. Yes. So she runs there. She basically tells the, the 
headmistress exactly what happened in the movie that you know my my entire family was killed the only person i could trust was a hitman but he's dead now and i need a place to hide i guess that's perfectly fine <laughs> for the headmistress <laughs> just the headmistress is like okay she doesn't fucking call the cops or do anything like that and then she goes outside she plants she puts a plant she kills the plant she kills yeah. the plant there's the no way not gonna make it that no. plant ain't making it past a new york winter the plant i don't give it. a shit yeah she no. plants the plant in the ground and what does she say something stupid uh she and, says i think we're gonna be okay here leon yeah leon's dead lady i don't know what to tell you i don't and the plant's dead. She just killed the plant. The only thing that was important to you. And then we we pan away to a sting song. Yeah, a the really end. good sting song. One of my sure. favorite sting songs. All I right, song. whatever. I don't. Steve, how do you feel yes. about this fucking child molester movie? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, that's but see, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a a brilliantly shot and cut movie it's it's stylistically bold it's lean um it moves fast it has energy yeah it's yeah it's just i mean it's a great i mean it's it it, it, it's it's moving in parts got great performances Um, in it fantastic performances and it's almost derailed by its director seemingly wanting to make it about a 40 something adult having an affair with a 12 year old child mm-hmm. um you know that's like that's really the only thing that is a major flaw in it and like i said in my trivia segment i'm genuinely grateful to the other people who worked on this film who stopped luke Besson from going even further mm-hmm. than the movie actually goes someone at some point i assume had to sit luke Besson down and say hey dude Hey, guess what? This isn't cool. I don't know what the fuck you've got going on in your personal life, mm-hmm. but we can't release a movie where the hero fucks a preteen girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. And I'm sorry that they had to have that conversation, but I'm glad they did. I wonder how many times uh, they had to have it. How they had to remind him, Luke, what do we talk about? I, I mean, did his producer about... was the first conversation with pa- Patrice Ladeau, yeah. who said, uh, I thought uh, you wanted no. to make a movie that would sell to American audiences. Maybe I thought you wanted was... people to be able to see this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you wanted to make a movie that you wouldn't be arrested for. And it was a sex scene. It wasn't like, oh, they like our old Hollywood where they fade out and then they fade back in and, you know, they don't show anything. They He wanted a sex scene. Yes. Fuck now, him. apparently fuck that appara- fucking fucker yeah apparently in the script there would not have been nudity but still it doesn't really make oh, a difference you're showing you're oh, writing good. a scene about a child having sex with an adult and it's and it's and it's portrayed in in a way other than oh my god this is horrible you know this man should be hung from a tree right? is that like how he was selling it Oh, don't worry. There is a sex scene between a forty-year-old man and a twelve-year-old girl, but there's no nudity, and it's, it's like, no oh, nudity. phew! Thank goodness. And it's so it's so sweet and beautiful. It's How sweet and beautiful when the grown-up has sex with the child. Oh, it's beautiful. It's it beautiful. Is, it's beautiful. It is. 
It's so beautiful. <laughs> Someone should have shot him in the fucking head. <laughs> when he's, if that was his argument, don't worry. It's very beautiful. No, I'm going to make it very tasteful. You're going to make a tasteful scene where the child has sex with the adult. Yeah, so tasteful. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. See, the problem is, is when I saw it, when I saw this movie, um, when it was in theaters, I was in my 20s. I saw the final version where, okay, yeah, I get it. She probably has, she has a crush on him. That kind of makes sense. Girls have crushes on sometimes on adult men. And he did not reciprocate at yes. all in the film, right? Yes. Um, and you can tell that it makes him uncomfortable. When oh, yeah. Acts mm -hmm. this way. Yeah. Right. But knowing what I know now about the production of this movie, it makes this whole movie feel very creepy. Like very creepy. Absolutely. And it makes Absolutely. me wonder it's... if his other movies were like this, where he had to be talked down, like where someone had or... to step in and say, Luke. And I hate to bring this up because I do like this movie too, but in the fifth element, you know, the uh, Mila Jovovich's character could be considered a child. Like psychologically, yeah. Psychologically, yeah, yeah a child. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, so is this just a fucking perverts, you know, getting talked down out of stuff every yeah, single people time? People having he wants to talk to him movie? out of doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is this for for whatever reason, and unfortunately, I suspect I know the reason. Uh, like there is <laughs> there there is this there is this this thread that runs through popular art of people saying like well let's tell a story about a, a usually almost always a grown man and a young girl mm -hmm. it's um, almost always i've i don't think yeah. there is a movie about an older woman and no, a it's it's and, and unless it's like unless boy. it's like a teacher student thing and then you know and then it's perfectly um, fine it's it's you know that's the problem there was yeah. i think three or four movies like that in the in the 1980s where the idea of a older woman and a teen boy were perfectly fine. Those got greenlit. Yeah. Yeah. And it was oh, like, there's definitely a double standard. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is. Yeah. But anyway, but, but there's, yeah, there's something about like every, and it hasn't happened lately because thankfully I think time times have finally changed enough where people where it, that, that you just wouldn't get out of the room with that. Like if mm -hmm. you said, Oh, I'm going to do a movie where part of the story is a, is a, mm -hmm. a man in his forties and he has sex with a 12 year old. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even get out of the room with that. They'd be like, Oh mm -hmm. no, we're not doing that. I don't care what you're trying to say. I don't care if you're just trying to be edgy. I don't care if you're trying to make people uncomfortable on purpose. Like hey, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Stop. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so that's again, thankfully it was, it was stopped from being, more than it is and and the film that we have is a movie that still makes me uncomfortable at times mm -hmm. but not to the point that it becomes intolerable no and, um i think despite the intentions of the director the film is showing us that matilda's feelings for leon and the direction she wants their relationship to go is not appropriate mm. leon always appears very uncomfortable when she talks to him like that um and Matilda is obviously a very, very troubled kid mm -hmm. who has lived through some rough shit, who had horrible parents. 
So it's not far-fetched that she would have developed a very warped and improper concept of sex and what is and isn't acceptable between a person her age and a person Leon's mm -hmm. age. Especially since she kind of fixate on, fixates on Leon as like, he's the guy who saved me. You know, he's the guy who like opened his door to me and saved mm -hmm. me from a terrible life. And I'm grateful to him. And, you know, so like there are times watching the film, even even when I watch it now, having seen it a bunch of times before, like there are times when I'm watching it and I still think, I still wonder like, oh shit, where is this going? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but for me, it never crosses that line, which is crucial. And aside That's from all That's because there of, were so many goddamn hands yeah. on the wheel preventing it from doing <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And aside from all of that, the film is great. Sure. I mean, Reno's performance is pitched just right. He succeeds in making Leon believable as both a supernaturally successful assassin and an innocent in the ways of pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm despite the fact that he is a prolific and apparently remorseless killer oh yeah he is incredibly sympathetic like that's the thing about leon he's a sympathetic character even though, like he has the rule no women no kids he really has no life but other than that well and other than the the when the no women no kids thing like we never get any hint at all that he is troubled by his line of work no like emotionally he doesn't no. seem to be bothered by the fact that he kills people for a living there's no mm -hmm. there's he just it seems like well i kill people who have it coming or i kill people that have fucked with tony and tony's my mm -hmm. benefactor so that it, it kind of is what it is um but he he's he be, he becomes a very sympathetic character mm -hmm. uh gary oldman is incredible i mean and he's just going for it oh yeah holding holding nothing back playing stansfield as just an unhinged lunatic and this is the perfect environment for a character like that like it it matches this movie um and he's he's fantastic mm -hmm. and natalie portman gives a great performance from a spot that she should never have been put in no nope. I, mean, I don't know I'm, I'm not sure how else to say like she's great but she should never have been put in this situation and and she's spoken out in more recent years about mm -hmm. you know horrible things that people have said to her as a result of this movie fantasies people had about her that sick people have had about her and her character in well, this they movie. completely it's, sexualize her yeah it's, in this it's, movie. it's horrific um a child and she was like I, we've mentioned a couple of times she was 12 when they made this movie mm -hmm. um a child should never ever be put in a position like this mm -mm not for a movie not for any reason to to expose her to this kind of attention and to sexualize her in this way it just it should never ever ever happen um but she gives a good performance mm -hmm. and it's obvious and this is her first movie and sure. it's obvious from the first time you see her that she has confidence she has screen presence she's obviously fearless and mm -hmm. and you and you you just you can tell that she's going to be if not a star at least a very good actor when she grows up and then she grew up and she became both mm -hmm. um the action scenes are outstanding it is style over substance all the way but what style i mean it's an, it's it's inventive it's visually bold it's these action scenes are perfectly staged and tonally balanced um 
And beyond the action scenes, it's a smartly made film that doesn't insult your intelligence. Like there are little telling details, like the fact that Leon doesn't look through his peephole. He looks through his lock mm -hmm. because the peephole is where someone would expect you to look. Yeah. So if someone if someone was going to shoot you through the door, they'd shoot you through the peephole. And Leon knows that. So he doesn't look through the peephole. Or we, we see him doing sit-ups every morning, and then we see the result of that during the action sequence when he takes out the cops in the hallway by hanging upside down in the doorway. Mm -hmm. And then he lifts himself up to the ceiling, like he lifts himself like a door hinge oh, up yeah. to the ceiling, which he can do because he has this superhuman core strength, which we yeah. know he has because we've seen him doing sit-ups. All he does is do sit-ups when he's not working. All he does is do working. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ultimately, it's a very simple story there's not a lot of exposition we don't need it we nope. understand who everybody is what their motivations are what they want mm -hmm. um it's more interested in style over substance and because of that it does feel like it wraps things up a little it's too it's such an early 90s movie um, at this point oh, totally. it really it, it is. is i mean you know you mentioned when you were summarizing the end of it like the the, the ending is awfully neat Matilda is able to just walk back into her boarding school and tell her story. And apparently mm -hmm. it's cool with her just staying there from now on. Mm -hmm. um, she plants Leon's plant, which is a nice image to end on. Sure. Um, even, even though there's, like you said, there's no way it's, that plant's going to survive. Dead. It's dead by fall. There's no way. That, <laughs> that plant is going to die, but mm -hmm. that doesn't matter because what's important isn't the literal meaning of the image. What's important is what it represents. Um, and on that level, it works. And on that level, the movie works. So, sure. Uh, despite all of the gross shit we've been talking about with it that should not be ignored, um, mm -hmm. I think it's, I, I do think it's a, an excellent movie and I do recommend it. So there you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, the gross shit kind of ruins the movie for me. Yeah. I, I appreciate that it's a good movie. I appreciate, you know, what we got on the screen was entertaining and it left an impression and i remembered it to this day even though it did make a huge amount of money you know it wasn't a block box office smash or anything like that um i didn't know anything about the making of the movie or anything like that so i took it at face value mm -hmm. now that i know what what kind of arguments probably had to be had to have happened to get it in the form that it was in, on release it makes me really not want to see the movie again yeah because there's still enough in the film to go okay like filming i mean she's li literally 12 years old yeah but she's wearing makeup she's wearing clothes that obviously excites the director and you can't help but walk away from this going now looking at it going yeah this this is very fetishistic the the scene this is... where she, the, the scene where they're playing like they're playing the game, and she comes out dressed as Madonna. Yeah, that's, that's super uncomfortable. That's like, yeah, it oh, is. Why did they have to put that? That's it's because super Luke uncomfortable. Besson was making this movie in yeah. which he wanted to have a forty-year-old man have sex with a twelve-year-old girl. Yeah, and he was going to make it romantic and acceptable. I'm sorry, someone needed to pass him the note. That's never romantic. That's or not possible. Yeah, that it doesn't work. That's that not. Way. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I don't give a shit. That's yeah. a. You know what? That the you you don't obviously don't understand the power dynamic between an adult and a child. Yeah, it, there is no situation where it's okay. Mm -hmm. End of conversation. Yeah, mm -hmm. and in some ways, it kind of it kind of spoils the fifth element for me. Mm -hmm. Because the Lelu character in the fifth element is very much a child. 
and or at least mentally is one but she's sexualized from the minute you see her which by the way is naked yeah but you know and now it makes me wonder of all the stuff that he has done i mean he made he made a, like a french kids film series arthur and the unmentionables or whatever the fuck it's uh, yeah, called something like that yeah what is it the what is it called come on i don't give a shit arthur and the invisibles is what okay. he called it and you know it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and i and i and i really do like this movie i really do but i don't think i'm ever going to watch it again knowing now what i know yeah. um be mainly because you can that once you find out about that then you take a look at the film and you go gish yeah why is he filming yeah. her like this why is she have makeup on why <laughs> you know yeah why you know I mean, they left in the idea that she gets she gets a crush on him. That I can understand, sure, that she would have a crush on him, but it's it's creepy in its presentation, and I, that's the problem. I like all the performances. I like the action scenes. I like Danny Aiello. I like you know, all of everybody in it is great, you know. And no, it doesn't really bother me that it ends on a on a sting song, but you know. <laughs> I genuinely love that song. So I don't give it, I don't give it ju- judge me if you will. I think that's a great song. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying it's it's kind of like I I I appreciate the movie for what it was then, but knowing what I know now, it's kind of wrecked. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I would feel the same way if it turned out. That someone was sexually, you know, if someone was sexually abusing Judy Garland while they were making The Wizard of Oz, you know, and they yeah, came out later. Oh, by the way, this is what this is what we originally wanted for The Wizard of Oz. It's and hard it turned, to separate the art from the artist at that point. I mean, yeah, once exactly. It, once it crosses that line, it's like, okay, this this and is if, too much. Or if the original intention of The Wizard of Oz, uh, take any of it, let's say Casablanca. Well, in the original movie, you know, Rick rapes Elsa, yeah. you know, out of punishment for what she did. And then she falls in love with him. And I go, wait, what? And they said, oh, no, no, no. We had that. there was a yeah. large. Yeah, well, had it would have been romantic. It, it would have no, no, been romantic have, and sweet. <laughs> she would have said no, but she doesn't really mean it. And. Yeah. You oh, know. that makes it so much better. Yeah, let's put that in a movie for people to see. Yeah, great. You know, and then it, which would it taint the film, and and unfortunately, yeah. this yeah. taints the film. Yeah. It really does. That people had to argue him down from it. Yeah, he wrote the goddamn thing, and then wanted to direct it for American audiences, and he honestly thought, "I'm going to make a movie." I, and I'd, okay, guys, you know, I make a lot of jokes about Hollywood being awful. And Luke Basson probably showed up in Hollywood, found out that all of them were fucking pederasts, and thought, no, good, I can finally make my movie where a 12 year old and a 40 year old man can have sex and they will be perfectly fine. I can make the movie that was too controversial for the French. 
And he showed up at a mansion with with you know the American producers or whatever, and they were being served, you know, food by naked twelve year old boys. And he was surprised when they said, "No, there's no way we can put that in the movie. Yeah. It won't tell well, the general audiences." Are you crazy? Not, we don't put this shit in movies. Are you Wait, crazy? what are you talking about? I used a young girl as a towel when I was in the bathroom, and now you're saying I can't do it. This is very tasteful. It's very nice. Everyone will like it. It'll be a Christmas <laughs> film. <laughs> he must have gotten hypocrites. Really you hypocrites. Wow. You disgust me. I should make <laughs> this only in France for France audiences. And maybe even at that point, France was like, no, no, we're not interested in this weird shit you want to do. No. Just please take everything out. <laughs> please take um, everything out. Just change everything so that it's not. A romantic thriller, shoot him a bang bang between a forty year old and a twelve year old, please. Why can't you just make a really good action movie? I don't understand. I mean George Lucas, he loves the script. He tell me go for it. <laughs> oh my god. This is the best <laughs> script I've read in years. By the way, send me her I have movies that he is going to make very soon. The prequels <laughs> to Star Wars, and he likes her very much. <laughs> Oh, and what a nightmare factory. And he's kind of, kind of sexualized her in the next, in the first Star Wars movie. Oh, I think, yeah. Yeah. She's supposed to be 14 years old, but she is treated like and acts like an adult. Yeah. And the lead character, who's 10, falls in love with her. Falls in love with her. Matt, just, mm-hmm. I mean, Lolita really fucked up people. I mean, Lolita I think Lolita up really fucked up a whole generation of people. Of people. A lot of people who missed the point of it and were Let's just like, oh, permission to, per, permission to lust after young girls, finally. And it's like, no, what? No, no, that's not it, man. What are you Stop doing? It. That is not what this movie is about. But yeah. I mean, you know what? I was, uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was Netflix that recommended The Blue Lagoon to me. Mm. Right? And I remember when Brooke Shields started making movies in the early 80s, late 70s. Mm-hmm. And I even remember as a kid that people were upset because she was being sexualized in films. Yeah. And she was like legit 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were showing her naked. They, you know, it was uh, one movie. I can't remember what it's called, in which it is legitimately a, about a relationship between a, what, an 11 year old girl and a guy who's in his 30s. Right. And then she made The Blue Lagoon, where I hopefully, I hope she had a body double. But she, again, she was sexualized in that. Yeah. Um, her co star in that, I think, was in his 20s and she was. I don't know. And then I remember Endless Club coming out, and she was 15 or something. Having sex scenes, I think having a sex scene in that, I don't know. I never saw it. It sounded so fucking bad that even as a teenager, it was like, I have no interest in that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see that. Yeah. And it's like, I guess Hollywood has always had this problem. Oh, yeah. as As much of a joke as I have made about not liking Shirley Temple. There's stories about Shirley Temple now that are mm-hmm. coming up. 
about how yeah. she was fucking abused and yeah. how she was exploited as a child actor. And I've seen some of those movies where they have sexualized a fucking four-year-old yeah. in the films. And I'm like, Jesus, just burn Hollywood to the goddamn ground. I mean, if that's the case, there, Jesus Christ. For, for a long time, there was this, this character trope of the nymphette, mm -hmm. which was a very young girl mm -hmm. who was presented as an object of sex and, and romance. Yep. And the reason that was ever a thing is because there were people who wanted that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, and, and, and it's modern enough that you can't, you can't explain it away just by saying, well, it was a different time and people's values were different back then and people got mm. married at 13 and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that might work at a certain point back in history. Mm. But once you start getting into the 20th century, it felt yeah. it's like, I don't think that works anymore. Like people in the 20s and 30s knew that, you know, a 30 something man and a 12 year old girl was not okay. Yeah. I mean, and we Maybe don't there were pockets it. of people who disagreed, but for the most part, the broad mm -hmm. consensus in the general population was that's not okay. And, you know, the fact that it continued to pop up in forms throughout the rest of the 20th century mm -hmm. is, you know, is upsetting. And well, I mean, and, look at the scandalous yeah. behavior that was, for the most part, completely ignored by many of the big stars that specifically were about underage girls. Your, your favorite, Charlie, 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 Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin. Absolutely. It's should have gone that to hangs fucking over, jail. It's the shadow that hangs over his entire career. I agree completely. Not enough. I think it should end his fucking career as far as I'm concerned. Well, the fact that he was a communist ended his career. So don't worry. They, they, <laughs> they were okay. They were okay with the decades of rumors of, of pederasty. Oh, yeah, of pederasty but, but they, and oh, thousands oh, of women. A, oh, he's a yeah. communist? Fuck him. Get him out of here. <laughs> sure, he got three teenage girls pregnant. But you know what? Oh, he might be a bit of a commie. Mm -mm. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. <laughs> Get him out of the country. Anyway, Steve, recommend or not yeah. recommend? For... Uh, re recommend with the reservations we have expressed but recommend yes uh, yeah i don't know i can't i don't know if i can recommend it i am going to because it's still a good movie yeah but go in knowing what you know yes i'm gonna say go in and and if and if it creeps you out then you you know what i'm not gonna say you can't be creeped out by this no if you're creeped out no, by it i completely i'm yeah. creeped out by it okay? it's completely legitimate and yeah don't, don't let anybody don't let any film nerd try to talk you out of being, you know, offended by this movie. Mm -hmm. If you if 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 you say, you know what, it sounds like it might have its good points, but I just can't watch a movie that treats a kid like that. That is yep. completely fine. Yep, and anybody yep, yep. who tries to talk you out of it can go pound sand. Like there's more mm -hmm. important things. There are more important things in life than movies. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Okay, Steve. So not yeah. recommend something. I am not recommending a movie that is actually a a remake of the breakthrough movie by Luc Besson that we mentioned earlier. His original version was called La Femme Nikita, um, mm -hmm. and it has been since remade many times on film sure. and on TV. Um, it's one of the more influential action films of the 1980s at this point. But its first major American remake came in 1992, um, and it was called Point of No Return. 
Mm -hmm. starring Bridget Fonda as the Nikita character. And it's a pile of shit. (laughs) 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 It's, it has, it, 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 it has a really good cast. I mean, I've 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 always been a fan of Bridget Fonda. I thought she, I always thought she was a good actress. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is in it. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey Keitel is in it. Actually, here's an interesting little piece of trivia. Um, Jean Reno stars as Leon in The Professional, and as you mentioned, he played a very similar character in La Femme Nikita. Mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel plays the equivalent of that character in Point of No Return, and then went on to play a very similar character in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, you know, we we have these uh, crossovers where both actors who played the cleaner character went on to play a similar character in a subsequent mm-hmm. film. Um, but yeah, it's got a really great cast, but it's just it doesn't have. I mean, it just doesn't have the style and the artistic vision that that distinguished uh la femme nikita the uh the the inventiveness yeah you know it just does it's just it's a standard paint by numbers hollywood action movie with a little bit of sex sprinkled in Mm -hmm. to make it interesting and i mean that's that's basically it it's just a a a a mediocre action movie with a a, with an impressive looking cast Mm-hmm. that's about it so uh my not recommendation is point of no return no reason why you need to watch that if you haven't seen it already <laughs> as you guys know i like to not recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and it's 1994 mm-hmm. and the movie that i'm not going to tell you guys to go see is the flintstones <gasps> because someone thought that was a good idea and you know what it could have been a good idea it could have been. It could have been had someone know how know how to write it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because you, you you think John Goodman is a pretty good is a pretty good match for, for Fred Flintstone. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and and you know, maybe it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and is that and is it Rick Moranis? Oh, it's Rick Moranis is as Barney. Is, yeah. Barney and um then I think what everyone got really upset with was that um, what's her name was playing um, Betty. What's her Rosie face? Rosie O'Donnell was Betty. Rosie yeah. O'Donnell was Betty. And they're like, yeah, no, Elizabeth I want Perkins Betty is... to be sexy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a cartoon, folks. <laughs> like, uh, Do I even remember what the plot is about? Nope. All I know is that they, I think, isn't Elizabeth Taylor in it? Elizabeth is Taylor is 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 uh, is Wilma's mom. Wilma's is, mom, yeah, right. But I mean, and the the problem was was that it looked cheap. Mm. It felt cheap. I mean, yes. there are things there are things where you know you you're talking about a comedy with dinosaurs and a whole bunch of other stuff, and we really didn't get that. And I think didn't Spielberg produce this? I think he's one of the producers, Bullshit. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, according to this, it was Bruce Cohen, but um, it was distributed by Universal. It really, it it flopped hard when it, it came did, out. Yeah. Um, it didn't make its but it didn't make its money back. They spent a whole lot of money on it. It had a gigantic cast. I mean, there's John Goodman, Rosie O'Donnell, Elizabeth Perkins, Halle Berry was in it. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, she was. Like I'm the just secretary. checking here. Yeah. Wasn't the evil guy uh, 
what's his name? McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh my Kyle god, McLaughlin, yes, Kyle McLaughlin he? was the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And well, it was it, yeah, go ahead. It, it came say? out during it, it came out during that era when they were making all those Saturday Night Live movies. And even though it's not a, and even though it's not a Saturday Night Live movie, it feels mm-hmm. like one of those. It cuz like you it it feels like they just figured they well we better make on a, it. Yeah. yeah. We'd better make a Flintstones movie and that's what it feels like. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like the director had like a take on it or there was any particular clever spin or it was just like no. you want to do a Flintstones movie? Let's do a Flintstones movie and that's it. Mhm. Oh, look, Gina Davis and Catherine Catherine O'Hare all considered for the role of Wilma. Oh, okay. Oh, she was considered. Okay. And Danny DeVito was going to be Barney. But I guess people were turning down this script left and right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, if the script is that bad, it doesn't matter who's in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even John Goodman turned down the script the first time he saw it. Blah, and then I blah. think someone convinced him, you know, <laughs> hey, this might make this might be a huge blockbuster. And he went, okay. And I don't like, you said that about the babe. <laughs> <laughs> As starring vehicles go, he has not had he did not have good luck. I am I am so happy for him to have had this renaissance period in his career over the last 15 years or so where he's, you know, gotten to do good projects sure. and be appreciated as like mm-hmm. a really good actor. Uh because there was that period when when he was a big star, when he was on Roseanne and he was like a huge star mm-hmm. when he would be making these movies and they were all just fucking bombs. They were wrong. Remember you know? King Ralph? Oh King boy. Ralph. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The babe. I mean, and then and this. The babe, and... Yeah. He just was, he just couldn't catch a break. And then finally he's, you know, he, he, he was still, you know, doing Coen brothers movies, but those are supporting roles and not like movie star stuff. And then eventually mm-hmm. people, People finally caught on and were like, oh, holy shit. John Goodman is not just funny, but really, really good. Mm-hmm. And now he's gotten to live in that world for a while. And I'm glad sure. because he, you know, because he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't go see it. The Flintstones. It sucks. Hey, no, Steve. It's terrible. Yes. Yes, sir. Now it's time for you to make a terrible choice. And we're going <sighs> back to a genre that we haven't done for a little while. Yeah. I don't think that since uh, West Side Story, I don't. I think, and that's. I, I think you're right. Musicals. Oh boy, kinda. I think out of the three that I've chosen, only one of them, only one of them is a legit musical. The other ones are. Well, no, the other one is is a musical too, but it's a cartoon, and the other one just repurposes old songs to force them and cram them into a plot. So you have A, B, or C. You get to choose which one of the musicals we're going to review next. Come on, oh, Steve. God. All right. There's extra pressure for this one, which I'll explain why and after I make my choice. But um, okay, I'll go with A. God damn you! Oh my god! So, had you chosen B, we would review what many people forget is a legit musical, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Yes, it very much a musical. Yes. Mm-hmm. Had you chosen C, you would have picked one of my favorite musicals and a musical that I was actually in once, Little Shop of Horrors. Aww. Yeah, I know, and we don't get to do that one. But no, you chose oh, the God. one that you, I know, do? you don't like the filmmaker. You don't like musicals. 
And ooh, for whatever reason, this is still around. People still reference it. We're going to review Moulin Rouge. Okay, I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> here's and, and here's why I feel more responsible for this than I normally would. Okay. Um, as you know, because you were there, before we started recording, even before we started recording the pre-show portion, the uncut portion that the patrons Oh, yeah, when see, we were just fucking around before we even started. Yeah. I actually suggested this genre. Yes, you did. As a joke. Yeah, as a joke. But but you then seized upon it and said, ha, 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 we're going to do musicals. And mm -hmm. um, so this is this is more my fault than it usually is. So actually, it like really is my fault because you did say it as a joke. I did, but you know what? You know what? Here's the thing, though. First of all, and then I turned heel, and yes, you did. Mm -hmm. I should have known. Um, you are you are indeed the Ric Flair to my sting. I always trust you, and you always <laughs> turn on me. Uh, no, I um, I would like to sincerely apologize. I would like to sincerely apologize to all our listeners who mm -hmm. are about to watch Moulin Rouge because of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, I can never make it up to you. I mm. just hope I hope that we can furnish you with a very entertaining episode of our show next time, which I believe we will. No, because sure. even though even though Moulin Rouge is not a movie I enjoy watching, I think it will be a movie I will enjoy. I think we about should watch it. Show. I think we should watch it twice together. I would love that. Sure, you would. Well, maybe once. I don't know about twice. I should make you sing yeah, it. I would love to watch it together. Okay, great. So you heard it here, folks. If you want to get all the jokes or understand why Steve's so upset, then please watch <laughs> Moulin Rouge, Moulin before, Rouge before this next podcast drops. And that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening in for Late Seating. This is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. <laughs> that's why I stopped. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't even remember that from the movie. Who said remember that? Remember when, 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 when they come back the second day, when they come back at noon? And mm -hmm. the dumbass is still there, and they kill everybody uh, mm -hmm. except for him. Yeah. Oh no, it's or no, or is it the? It's he's and and he's listening to Beethoven. Yeah. And then and then he and then he's like, you know, I love Beethoven. Those overtures, ah, oh, incredible. But after his openings, he does get a little fucking boring. Mm. That's why I stopped. Oh, I get it because he stopped listening to. He stopped Beethoven. listening to the music, and then he and then he starts listening to Mozart, which is funny because he plays Beethoven in an awful that, fucking in, movie in, in a, a a very a a deeply disappointing movie. Because I saw that movie when I was when I saw that movie when it came out, and I was uh -huh. already like completely I was completely in love with Amadeus. Amadeus like one of my favorite movies ever. Sure, and, and I'm like, this Gary is going to be like Amadeus yeah. two, but with Gary I'm, Oldman. In I it. thought Gary Oldman's playing, but it's going to be like Amadeus for Beethoven. And I saw it and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah, because <laughs> Amadeus was made up, you dumb kid. You, <laughs> you fucking moron. Because Amadeus was made up. Yeah, if yeah, had, yeah, yeah. If they had made up some weird whodunit around Beethoven's deafness and just made up an entire <laughs> plot around him. You know, you know what? Great. I do I do it's, think it would have been it would have been better. If Immortal Beloved had been the movie where Gary Oldman says, I love Mozart. <laughs> you know what? 
considering that uh, Salieri was Beethoven's um, uh, tutor. He was a teacher of Beethoven, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Then it could have been a murder mystery where Ooh. someone wound up murdered heinously, some sort of sex murder in the Beethoven house that he couldn't hear because <laughs> he's deaf. Hey, and so they, ooh. so he says, I know someone will help us get to the bottom of it. And they have to get Salieri out of the nut house, apparently. Oh, now. To solve the this, murder that happened. This is fantastic. Yeah, and it's still this all made up. This is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. It's that, mm. This I love this. Like a, a murder mystery with famous classical composers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Set in like the early 1800s. And mm. an old man Salieri has to solve the crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with, even with the bandage yeah. still around his fucking neck, it's like it can, we can set it right after Amadeus. Like the priest walks out. We mm. can do. We'll do it. We'll do it. What was the fucking um, the shitty ass Red Dragon? The the Brett Ratner Red Dragon, the shitty ass Hannibal Lecter movie, where uh-huh. for some reason they said we're gonna let let's just end this right when Silence of the Lambs begins, even though that makes right. no fucking sense and it's the dumbest idea ever. They're like <laughs> like literally fucking Graham leaves Lecter. Mm-hmm. And the, the fucking guard comes in and says, Clarice Starling's here to see you. Like, oh, oh, okay. So Lecter gets no time off between these two cases. Oh, because he needed time off. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs happens right after this one. You know, we'll just do that with Amadeus, where, like, the priest gets up and leaves. And mm-hmm. the guy takes Salieri to the water closet. And then mm-hmm. Salieri comes back. And there's, like, the person waiting for him. And there's the gendarme. Yeah. Hey, Salieri. Yes. Maestro, yeah. we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out he's like a Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely. He he can suss out people's motivations like that because he's evil himself. And the the best part, I know that F. Murray Abraham will be available. Oh, he'd do it in a second. Are you kidding? If you you came to F. Murray Abraham and said, you want to play Salieri again as a murder mystery? He'd be like, give me my money. Give Give me me my money. money, Give me my money and I'll do it. I will do it right now. I have no... You know what? I have. I've, I've, have you seen some of the shit that I've done? <laughs> Apparently, he was very good in the most recent season of The White Lotus, but I haven't watched that. I haven't watched that either. I don't even know what that is. What is that? What is White Lotus? Um, apparently, it's a show where every season takes place at like a different resort, and it's like a murder mystery, like every season. Mm-hmm. Um, with mostly new characters, but like the, the, you know, t- unifying idea is that it's a different like vacation resort every year. Okay, um, it's we supposed need to, to be s- really good. I've just never seen it. We need to say goodbye. Okay, bye everybody. Bye everybody. <laughs> okay, now tell me everything about White Lotus. What is it? Oh, Who, who's oh, in okay. it? Why? What's going on? Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening. <laughs>